Hello, I'm Evan Ball. Welcome to Striking a Chord, a podcast presented by Ernie Ball. Today I'll be speaking with guitarist and composer Gretchen Men. Gretchen is the guitarist of Zepparella, a popular all-female Led Zeppelin tribute band, and she's also released two solo albums, Hail Souls and Abandon All Hope. We'll talk about Abandon All Hope, which is a very unique and ambitious and amazing concept album inspired by Dante, the 14th century poet. We'll also get caught up on what she's working on now, and Gretchen will perform a couple songs for us, which will be a first here on Striking a Chord. Also, we have a surprise mystery guest join the conversation. Who could it be? You'll find out soon. Finally, as a guitar player, or any kind of player, it's easy to plateau and not get much better. So what does it take to break through? You'll want to hear Gretchen's insights on practicing and how she's even dipped into the science of expertise. So let's get to it, ladies and gentlemen, Gretchen Men. Gretchen Men, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So how did you first get into guitar? I think I, well, I, I remember actually that I went to see a Joe Satriani show and Eric Johnson opened up for him. I didn't know who Eric Johnson was at the time, but when I heard him play, I was like, okay, that's got to be like the happiest person in the world to write music like that. And then I thought, actually, maybe he's so happy because he can play guitar so well. So oh, I was like, I want to be that happy. So Satriani, though. So you knew Satriani as a non-guitar player. Yeah, I, I think I had gotten into kind of guitar-oriented music in high school, kind of the requisite age where your ears are wide open and you're just listening to anything and everything. And uh, I was listening a little bit to Joe Satriani and to Steve Vai. And, you know, my dad had been um, at Guitar Player Magazine when I was a little kid. And even though he left, actually, shortly before I started playing guitar, he, he knew about that stuff. So when he when I started getting into music, he was really quick to say, like, hey, I've got all these, you know, this collection of music. Check it out. So, but he didn't. He's not the one who exposed you to it. I think it was more like he once I developed a little bit of an interest, he was really quick to to point me in the right direction. But I, I never felt like it was something that was pushed upon me. So we've actually known each other for quite a while, having yeah. family in the guitar biz. I think we started playing around the same time. Did we? Yeah, I think so. I think we met when we were nine. And I think our families met because my dad did an article on your grandfather called What's in a Name. And for a while, actually, we had hanging at my at my house this really cool drawing in the, the old, like, you know, that eagle, the Ernie Ball eagle thing. And yeah. it was uh, of my dad and the Ernie Ball Eagle, and it was something like, hey, who's Don Men? It's like, oh, the greatest editor-in-chief in the world, and somebody at Ernie Ball had done it for him. Oh, I don't know cool. who it was, but I'm sure yeah. we still have it. But teenage years, we I feel like we were both kind of at like peak guitar geek, maybe. Yeah, like I we think so. for a little while, and uh -huh. some of the names you're mentioning, you know, Maybe I'm probably biased because that's when I was most tuned, but I feel like it was kind of a high watermark for some of the instrumental stuff with Steve Vai's Passion Warfare. Steve Morris had, what, Southern Steel and uh, Eric Johnson, obviously, with yeah. Clips of Dover. Yeah. Satriani was big. Yeah. I remember being really into this stuff as, as we were learning guitar, but quick sidebar, I soon went and joined a punk band and um, learned how to move a power chord around the fretboard. And you went on to basically learn like 
everything. So um, <laughs> no, I remember yeah. you've always been really good. No, I remember. I remember you coming up with it. You had one of those. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say what model it was of Ernie Ball, but I oh, remember you had what one. Was the purple one? Is an Eddie Van Halen one? Oh, okay. A an access. An, a, yes, a prototype of an right. access. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you had a gig like the next day and you came up with like this killer solo. It was like so melodic and you're like, you played it like three times. You're like, okay, cool. I'm going to go gig with it. And it like blew my mind. I'm like, oh my God, I would have practiced that for like two months. Oh, that's funny. Well, the, the gap quickly widened between our, our abilities. But anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I'm wondering, have you always been drawn towards that genre of music, more um, instrumental, high proficiency, serious guitar playing? You know, I think... I have always been drawn to it, but I've been drawn to a lot of other stuff as well. I think as a guitar player, it's a very independent type of music you can play. You know, In any other band, when you're playing with a singer, you are totally at the mercy of finding an amazing singer front person who hopefully is a tolerable human being, which basically means a unicorn. And I, although I'm very lucky to have worked with amazing singers, like Ana Cristina and Zapparella is just you know, one of my favorite human beings and a killer singer. But playing instrumental guitar is something that, you know, you can actually get your mind around if you're not a singer, you know, being at home and coming up with parts and putting things together and actually creating music. Um, and I think I, I do, I've always gravitated towards stuff that was kind of compositional in nature, though it doesn't mean that things have to be. But I think uh, I like stuff that challenges me just a little bit or things that on repeated listenings, you discover more and more kind of nuances. And, and then you decided to study music in college. Mm -hmm. right? So what, was, yeah. what were you concentrating on? Actually, I went to college thinking I was going to be a sociology or English major or double major. And I, I found out because in high school, I was a super geek. I, I, I got to college with enough credits to graduate a year early. So that meant that as, basically as soon as I got to college, I had to declare my major. And at that point, going across the country, going to colleges, like there were so many things that had changed. And admittedly, I was probably a little disoriented. And so I was like, I'm just going to follow my heart. So I, I declared a music major, but um, I'm glad I did. I think I kind of knew that my undergraduate, it, it didn't really matter. Like, you know, I could still go on to whatever do other stuff with just with an undergraduate degree. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to Could do you focus on guitar in the major or was it more it was general a, theory? Yeah, it was a general music major. It was a, a small school. So the, um, what I liked about it is that you had very small classes and, you know, nothing was taught by TAs. I mean, nothing against TAs, but it's great when you can learn from the guys who actually like wrote the book. And so um, it was a, a general music major, but I was taking uh, classical guitar lessons with Philip DeFremery, who's an amazing, amazing teacher. Um, so I studied, you know, some theory, harmony, composition, counterpoint, history, a little right. bit of everything. And that, that will show up when we talk about your latest album. And okay. also you have a video series that I came across for acoustic guitar, right? That's kind of a, a primer on theory oh, yeah. and, and scales. Yeah. So yeah, we'll link to that in the, the okay, show notes. Okay, cool, actually. Yeah, a lot a of good stuff online. Let's talk about Zepparella. So this is an all-female Led Zeppelin cover band. Uh, you have played all over the country. World? World. A international? Uh, Canada. Okay. You know, all right. we're trying to do more stuff. So lots, yeah. lots of places. North America, uh, you've put out stu one studio album, a few live albums, right? Uh, maybe we have one studio album. It sounds like you know better than I do. 
You Wh- whatever yeah, you said, <laughs> whatever you said is right. So you also have some videos and I think the videos go along to the studio album now. Uh, let's see. We have a, a few different videos. Uh, well, you have we a video with 14 million views on it. Oh man. Were you aware of that? I was, I was aware that there were a bunch of views. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a lot of views. So I imagine you had to do a pretty deep dive into Led Zeppelin. Like, do you have basically like a PhD in Led Zeppelin at this point? <laughs> and uh, how, what'd you do to prepare yourself for this role? I locked myself. Well, before my first gig, it was Clementine's idea. She's the drummer. And before my first gig, she gave me eight weeks and said, here's your set list. I just booked our first show. Learn these 15 songs. Mind you, I'd been playing in bands at that point. You know, I'd gone to college for music and everything, but I hadn't like gotten on stage. So I'd been in a band for about a year and a half before that. About a year, actually. And and I was like, well... Is this lap dance Armageddon? No, that was okay. later. Yeah, oh, okay. this was Sorry. ACDC. Oh, really? Yeah, I was okay. in an ACDC. Okay. Yeah, that's where I cut my teeth. Um, and so, yeah, I just locked myself in a room, tried to learn as best I could. But it's it's a constant process, actually, of learning. And now that we're doing these um, instructional series on this the Zeparola Learning Channel, it's a great opportunity for me to go back in and really, like, reevaluate stuff. It's, it's easy to play songs you've been playing for a long time as the player you were when you learned them, even if you improve technically, to just be like, oh, well, this must be right because I was so sure it was right. Yeah, I already ten, learned this. Yeah. Ten years ago, yeah. right? Um, and so... I'll, you notice as you grow as a musician, your your ears grow. And I notice things when I pause and say, okay, I'm about to go on video and put this out to the internet. Um, I want to make sure I, I've done the best job I can do. And so they're like, we just did a new series yesterday we shot and there was a little detail in the song that I'm like, oh my God, I've been playing that wrong for 10 years, but I got it right now. So you're probably digging into Jimmy Page's tone and equipment, less the equipment and the tone in a general sense. I feel like that our ears now are totally different from the ears. Well, I mean, this is before our time, but let's just say that if I were to play things as clean as they actually are, it wouldn't have the same effect that I think that music. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, you listen to something like Immigrant Song and you're like, oh my God, that is a very, very clean. So you mean just how music has progressed, we would assume that he's playing with more distortion than he actually did? I feel like we remember it, at least I do. Like when I think of Immigrant Song, I imagine this like just hammer of the gods riff, right? Yeah. And it still has that power, but it's packaged in a way that I think um, is more characteristic of the time. And, you know, we've had Pantera now, so like right. we, we, we're tuned for a little more distortion. I mean, I don't, I don't get all metal on it, but, you know, it's still in the same ballpark, but maybe a little, yeah. little more muscle. You had to learn how to use a bow on a guitar too. I did. That's, that's an endeavor, I, I would think. Yeah, I've learned that delay is your friend. Without delay, it sounds like first year violin student, like, it's it's all bad. So it's a lot of trial and error and trying to watch live Jimmy Page and just trying to figure it out. Have you met him? No. Okay. You have met some of your other big influences, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Like Steve Morris, didn't you play on a stage with him? I did. That was amazing. I was totally freaked out. I actually opened for him a couple of times too with the lap dance Armageddon. Oh, cool. Acoustic duo. Do you have moments where you think this is so cool? Like thinking back, listening to Steve Morris long ago and then being sharing a stage with him. I almost can't let myself go there. It's like if I, it's like already I'm nervous enough and it's like, 
if I really start telling myself the story of it all, I'm like, I'm just going to have an anxiety attack. Like, let me just let me just be in denial, finish the show and hopefully not embarrass myself too much. So I think you said you might play us a song. Yeah, if you want. Yeah, that'd be great. And we'll come back and talk about your album. But yeah, what song are you going to play for us? I think it makes sense to do um, an arrangement of a song that you're great grandfather wrote is that great, right great yes great great grandfather all right Ernest R. Ball when Irish eyes are smiling. yeah so that, that would be Ernie Ball's grandfather exactly yeah. exactly all right All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about Gretchen's album, Abandon All Hope. Have you heard about Ernie Ball's new Slinky sets? Introducing Primo Slinky, Ultra Slinky, Mega Slinky, Burly Slinky, and Mammoth Slinky electric guitar strings. Find your perfect gauge. Maybe it's Primo Slinky with a 9.5 on the high E and a 44 on the low E. Or maybe you're a drop tuner. Check out Mammoth Slinky, the 12 to 62 set. Ernie Ball's got Slinkies for everybody. Learn more by visiting ernieball.com or your favorite guitar retailer. Get yours today. So let's talk about your latest album, Abandon All Hope. Mm-hmm. It's very cool, very unique. Not what one would expect in the instrumental guitar genre. It's definitely guitar driven in many places, but it's it's kind of hard to explain. And, and it's not on streaming platforms, I would say, for good reason, because uh, it's, it's, a, it's an album that you really need physically you need the physical thing you need the booklet you need the images and the words so could you just maybe describe the concept and how it came about so after my first album hail souls which the title is taken from one of my favorite shakespeare quotes about or one of my favorite quotes about guitar which you know conveniently comes from shakespeare and it says now divine air now his soul is ravished is it not strange that sheep's guts should hail souls out of men's bodies oh i didn't know is that so from. great you okay. know the idea of something so earthy and so yeah. unromantic you know driving our souls from our bodies um and i think that I was already toying around with the idea of doing something conceptual, kind of joining my love of literature and and music, and also um, also recognizing that instrumental is. I love abstraction, but not everybody does. And I think without lyrics to 
guide people or, you know, for, for things to, for something more concrete to latch onto, I think instrumental music eludes some people. And I thought, well, giving things a storyline, I, I don't have an artistic issue with that because I love the literature. And so I thought, well, there's maybe the possibility for something kind of cool there. So I've been playing around with like, maybe I should do something with like F. Scott Fitzgerald or J.D. Salinger or whatever. And then Michael Melinda, who at the time was editor of Guitar Player Magazine, he asked if if we could have a meeting because he had a like a project to pitch to me. And so I, I steeled myself for what I thought was going to be another lecture on why I need to learn to sing and write more pop popular appealing <laughs> music. And so I was I was going in with all my typical like retorts for I don't my goal is not to be as famous as possible. I just want to create stuff that, you know, that I believe in. Instead, he sits me down and he he pulls out a piece of paper that I still have and it said, you know, the date and it said uh, Gretchen Men Dante's Inferno a journey in 11 different musical moods. And it was like full body chills. I knew exactly what I was going to do for the next couple of wow. years. And, and not just in terms of like, I know how the album's going to sound. I'm like, okay, I got to get, I got to go way deeper into composition. I have had those leanings, but it's like, no, I got to, I'm going to like resume counterpoint study. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do my proper study so that I can even conceive of pulling off something like this the way that I would hope to. Uh, so who wrote the words again? Michael Melinda. Okay. Yeah, uh, the editor of Guitar Player Magazine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's but it's based off Dante's Inferno. Exactly. Okay, so he's sort of interpreted his yeah. own version of that. Exactly. And then you wrote music concurrently with him, or did he write lyrics first? I wrote, uh, or, no, or words? I wrote what I did is I read Dante twice. And what I tried to do, um, he he'd given me the scenes that he had envisioned. And then I added some other things that I thought transitional pieces that I thought would be important because I wanted it to flow as an album. I wanted it to feel like a complete work, even if there were still tracks. And so I added that. And then I went and I tried to extract from each different kind of vignette that which was different about it. I did not have any interest in writing an hour worth of fire and brimstone. I mean, there's just, it's like you want a little bit of that light and shade, yeah. you know. And you, for our listeners, this is basically like a poem of someone going through these different, what, stages of hell? Yeah, it's it, well, it's Dante the poet. Yeah, and this is, what, is he 14th century? Yeah, I, be, I believe okay. so, for, 14th century? We have an Italian here? There's, <laughs> the Italian doesn't know. We'll reveal check who the Italian out. is yes. pretty soon. Um, yeah, it's it's an epic poem in the style of like Virgil and Homer. And so Dante, the poet, ha he's a character in it and he has Virgil, his spirit guide. He's at a place in his life where he's kind of fallen off the the true path and he has Virgil, the the poet and spirit guide take him on a a journey through the through well first the inferno and then purgatory and then paradise. And along the way, there's it's just rife with political stuff and things that were really important going on in the time. It's a huge, you know, Dante's all sorts of commentary. You know, the footnotes themselves are like longer than the text. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot to chew on. And, and the good thing about it is that it wasn't just all this journey of like, and here's suffering and here's more suffering and here's another type of suffering. I mean, that's there, but there's enough other stuff there that you could latch on to musically where you can use that to to 
present something that just doesn't sound like just different interpretations of the same theme. Such a cool concept. So our, our listeners can probably understand why you'd want to have the uh, the physical copy in front of you in the words, so you ha- you can better understand and, and experience this album. It was meant as a con- yeah as a concept album, and um, the imagery is by Max Crace. Um, but what I did offer and why why I don't have it on streaming platforms, it is on iTunes. But um, on my website, there also is a download you can get. But if you do it through my website, then you also get the album art and libretto and album credits because it's like. Oh, cool. Cool. Like okay. you said, it's not just a guitar album. Like the everyone's like, who is that first violinist? Because the violin and string quartet, you know, they do amazing stuff. Um, so you know, you want to see that's Glauco Bretanian, by by the way, um, an Italian violinist. So did you have to because you are going through these crazy chapters? Did you have to? put yourself in like a dark mood to write some of these? Or? I didn't have to put myself in a dark mood. Honestly, it was, uh, it happened to, to coincide with the worst time of my life. Oh. Um, no, I mean, I'm laughing about it, but no, it was, uh, there was a lot that was going on with me. Um, losing some people I loved very, very dearly at that time. And, um, it's funny how the times that I feel like I've suffered the most are the times that I've also learned the most. So every time I, you know, um, I guess I feel like that, that, that if you can translate suffering into art and to wisdom, then it's, then it has a good purpose. Yeah, definitely a powerful album. So what's next? What are you working on now? I'm working on like, um, a counterpoint to that album. Um, after doing something that was so dense and so orchestrated and so compositional, I don't think I'm ever going to abandon compositional, but I was interested in doing something that, um, that really did focus back on the guitar. And so I'm doing a series of pieces that are almost exclusively for solo guitar. Solo guitar, like no band? Yeah. Okay. It's also very performable because when people are like, when are you going to tour with the band in All Hope? And I'm like, when I'm a billionaire, like I can't pay like 10 musicians, you know, and do it properly. So, um, I mean, it's not all for, I mean, there's a practical consideration, which is, yeah, it's great to be able to perform stuff on solo guitar. It's terrifying as well. But, um, but also it it was kind of nice to say like, okay, I've done these much more largely realized pieces, how much of that of that growth as a composer can I apply to my home instrument and how much can I learn now for that? So I think my tendency is to go in one direction and then want to try something that's a contrast. That's so great. You get to mix it up like that. How far deep into it are you? Oh man, I wish I were further. I, I had intended to have it done this year, um, but so it's been a really busy year. I have a few pieces done um, and... It, I think it's going to be 12 pieces long. And yeah, a couple of them are finished. A couple, uh, Probably about half are midway through and a few are only just ideas at this point. Okay. So. Hey, I noticed uh, Daniele Guitardo is sitting next to you right now. Oh my God. What, what is he up to these days? Are you in my living room? <laughs> Say hi. Hi, guys. You're just walking by and I'm like, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. that guy looks like a guitar player. Let's bring him in here. I was like, hey, free guitar lessons forever. <laughs> um, so we met at a NAM show, <laughs> um, which sounds super kind of sleazy. But um, we, we, we <laughs> met because we, well, we met significantly other than just sort of knowing um, I, I knew of you before. Um, 
because somebody who knew Daniele's compositional depth and sensibilities and knew uh, what I was starting to work on with Abandon All Hope was like, you guys need to like geek out together or whatever. And so we struck up a friendship for like a year and now we're married. Yeah. If you want, I'm just putting you on the spot. What are you up to these days, music-wise? Um, like a Gretchen, uh, working on music, original music, and uh, and working uh, on a new solo album that is taking an eternity to be done. <laughs> it's going to be good. I hope. I don't know. The, my last solo album was in 2014. I did another album in between that was... a. Uh, completely different. Then I have been working uh, with Graz for uh, the production of Abandon All Hopes. Yeah, and you played bass on the album, right? Also, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But in between, I was working on uh, this new album that, uh, like uh, Abandon All, All, All Hopes, um, is um, the idea of crossover music. Yeah. It is crossover is between the classical instruments, instrumentation, and the electric guitar. So are you recording this in Italy? Yeah. Uh, just uh, before to come uh, here in the United States, to the United States, uh, I recorded uh, uh, most of the classical uh, assemble in Italy. Then here I'm uh, editing everything and uh, working on the pre-production of the guitars. Uh, so you think it will be released this year or next year? I, I think in the beginning of the next year. Okay, great. In the very beginning, ho- hopefully. Great. Yeah. Okay. So Gretchen was kind enough to offer, I think, one more song. If you was would that? like, yes. Okay. Oh, if good. you would like, good. yeah. Okay. When we come back, I want to get her uh, ideas on maybe some guitar tips and some mm-hmm. album recommendations. So uh, what are we going to listen to next? This one is called A Bursarivette, which is a small town in France where I lived. Um, and it's going to be on the next album. Great. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. For the record, Gretchen's playing a silhouette special.
the new album, it's just you, but are there overdubs done by you or will it be basically I'm trying to have as few as possible, although somebody might play on a track called She's Venice. Someone next yes. to her. Some Italian who lives in my house. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> might play All on right. a track called Venice. Why not? I mean, he's so close. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little overqualified to play second guitar, but you know, it's fine. Okay. Can you recommend three albums to our listeners that are either influential or just three albums that you think people should know about? Okay. The first one that comes to mind, you're going to feel me on this, is a Steve Morse band, High Tension Wires. Definitely. It, it was his first solo. It, well, he says it's his first solo album. Stand Up was also there. But um, to me, it's just, it's a perfect album. It is so beautiful. Some albums just have a magic. Any Steve Morse album is great. Um, there's just something, maybe it's when I heard it, maybe it's where he was when he wrote it. It's just a perfect album to me um, from a guitar perspective. And also I think it was part of why I became so interested in composition as I realized my favorite guitar players were also, um, they didn't just sound like they were soloing over a backing track. Steve Morris is right. so compositional. Sure. He's so musical. Um, he surrounds himself with musicians where, you know, he, where he celebrates them as well. So I love that album. I have to say, and I'm sorry, it's not just because you're sitting here, but um, Non Temperato, which was his most recent album, is... Wait, who is he again? Uh, oh, this is Daniele Gottardo. Yeah, yes, yeah. my gosh. Um, it's, it's an amazing album. I, I've never heard anybody do what he has done with combining chamber orchestra with electric guitar in a way that is absolutely legitimate. The, the the compositions are amazing. I don't know anybody, any guitar players with his harmonic vocabulary and depth, some of what he's doing compositionally, harmonically and stuff. It, it's, it's really, it's really mind blowing. Yeah. I and think he's blushing a little bit too. And it's beautiful. I mean, the pieces are beautiful. It's like as sophisticated as they are, I've played them for non-musicians and they're like, oh my God, this sounds like a magical fairyland or whatever. And they do have that magical quality yeah. because of some of like the chromatic harmony and stuff that he uses that is really a delightful album to hear as a guitar player and as a non-guitar player too. Thank you. <laughs> he says thank you, everybody. Um, I love Django Reinhardt, the quintet of the Hot Club of France, Django Reinhardt and Stefan Grappelli. I have been listening to that as long as I've been listening to Led Zeppelin. Um, I never tire of Django. And and now also having written for and recorded violin, I have this huge appreciation for Stefan Grappelli. Like his intonation, his consistency, especially with an instrument. It's like we think guitar is a monster of an instrument. Like, oh my God, try just listen to some of the best violin players warming up. Like when I, when I was getting ready to record my album and I'm hearing them kind of going through parts and everything and the, you have this moment of being like, oh my God, this is, I hope this is going to be okay. And then like magic comes out, but it's like that, that's a beast of an instrument. So uh, Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli for sure. And then just for something different, like how about the Rite of Spring by Stravinsky? I mean, like whether or not you're into you know, composer music. If you like metal, like to me, that is that is a metal album before there were electric guitars. Like that, 
I shouldn't say album, you know, it's, it's a metal composition. I mean, yeah, the dance of the adolescence, it's like, I still, oh yeah, 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 Daniel is saying it's very gent. <laughs> uh, it's great. I mean, I feel like that's the kind of thing that any guitar player who likes heavy stuff, it's like, go check that out if you haven't. Yeah, okay, here's one more. I've played guitar for a long time, but I find it's really easy to not get better. Do you have any guidelines or tips for our listeners on how to push forward and get better on guitar? I think really you have to want to continue to get better and you have to be constantly working on things that you can't do. I think it's really easy as adults to get to get your just basic human chops up enough that you're not working hard. Like you know how to drive your car, you know how to do these things that when you're like a little kid is like, you know, the whole world is new and difficult and you know, tying your shoes is like this insurmountable thing. And to keep that kind of beginner's mindset of, of being willing to suck at something in order to get better at it. And it's hard to do because it's not rewarding. You know, for most people, you know, especially as a professional musician, it's like being a musician requires so many things beyond practice time. Sometimes I'm like fighting for my practice time because I'm having to deal with, you know, just the business of doing music. And sometimes when you sit down to practice, you want it to be fun and enjoyable. And for the most part, well, I shouldn't say that improving isn't enjoyable, but it's kind of a masochistic type of enjoyment. And so really challenging yourself, um, doing things that are uncomfortable to do. Um, a lot can be learned by setting a goal and then working towards it in manageable increments, you know, and that's something, and actually tracking it. There have been all sorts of studies that show that, that if you hold yourself accountable by just simply tracking something, you'll, you'll make better use of your time. I'm, I'm also a fan of reading about the learning process and how our brains work. Well, I'm the daughter of a psychologist. My mom's a psychologist. So some of how, how we learn and what music and the brain do together is something I'll, yeah, I'm, I'm a dilettante about that stuff, but I like reading books about it. Yeah. And I feel like some books have helped me practice better. There's a book called Peak by Anders Ericsson, and it's about the study of expertise. Um, there's one called, I feel like rather unfortunately titled, but very well researched and written called The Talent Code that is great. And one I recently read called The Practice of Practice um, by Jonathan Harnum, I think. And all of them talk about a certain deliberate practice, which is hard to do. You know, we, we mostly sit down, we want to play, we want to do something we're good at, we want to watch a movie while we noodle. We're not really getting, we're not making the same kind of strides that we could be if we were really kicking our Definitely. own butts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's only so many hours in a day and it's so easy once you have that time to just play stuff you already know. And it not is. maximize that time. But also you can make good improvements with consistent goals and, and good focus. Like you really can, there's a lot you can do in 10 minutes if you choose the right goal. So if I have 10 minutes and I'm trying to actually make the best use of it, I'm probably not gonna run through a song unless it's something I'm about to play on stage. If I have 10 minutes, I might take a one measure lick that has been feeling uncomfortable or that I've been screwing up and I'm gonna play that at 50% speed for five of those minutes and then work up little by little. And then in 
then you've made the best of those 10 minutes. And if you do that every day for a week, suddenly that measure's never a problem again. That's great. Before I let you go, where can people keep up with your work online? You have a lot of content up there. Uh, fortunately, my name's uncommon enough that I'm GretchenMen.com. No extra okay. anythings. Great. Yeah. Instagram, Facebook? Yeah, all of it's just okay. my full name. And I'll throw out there too, you, you mentioned it earlier, but... With Zeparella, you have this series where each mm-hmm. band member does a deep dive into a, a particular song. That's right. So if you if you're a Led Zeppelin fan, definitely you want to check those out. Those are really cool. They're yeah, they're um, they're fun to teach because we we do it all. It's like all do it yourself. Like yesterday, I was in a very hot studio for twelve hours filming my bandmates and then doing my little segment too. But what's great about that, even though it takes a lot of time and you, you know, sometimes at the end of the day you're like, oh my God, is anybody going to watch this? Um, is you learn, and I knew this going into it, is that I knew I would, it would make me a better guitar player, it would make me a better teacher, and it would make me be a better bandmate. If I know what my drummer is thinking during this fill, if I hear her fill in isolation, I'm going to be playing so much better with That's her. That's a great point, yeah. So yeah, we do these deep dives. Um, for me, it's uh, usually in three parts. So far, it's always been in three three parts with the first one just kind of being like straight up, here's how you play the riffs. The second one, dealing with like leads. And then the third is usually my gear, live performance, structural stuff. Anything that's like that you would need to know if you were going to perform this song live on stage. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, those are up there. All right. on the Zepparella page or the Zepparella YouTube channel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So there's a Gretchen Men YouTube page uh-huh. and there's a Zepparella YouTube Ex- channel, I should yes, say. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, Gretchen Men, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you, Evan. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Gretchen, and thanks to Daniele Gattardo for jumping in there. If you haven't heard Daniele, you should. He's pretty amazing. Check him out. He's been doing these one-minute mini lessons on social media if you want a little taster of what you can do. Uh, We'll put a link in the show notes. And thanks again for tuning in to Striking a Chord. Do you guys speak a mix of Italian and English throughout the day? Uh, no, my no I don't speak about the English. <laughs> you speak English more than she speaks Italian? Yes, yeah. a lot more. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know how to say, like, the offensive stuff in Italian, you know? Yeah? Like what? Poor.